Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whippeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have on with us Jeff Powell. Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer. Jeff, good morning to you. Good morning. So Jeff, uh, I've been doing uh, some reading with regard to the economy, and one of the things I find very surprising in a lot of the things I'm reading is that we're hearing about these uh, signals of inflation coming in, Certainly, uh, it has a lot of people talking about the fact that it's coming in a little bit hot, perhaps even hotter than uh, what people had previously expected or forecasted. And yet we're not seeing uh, movement in some of the assets that we would typically expect. So, for example, the uh, 10-year Treasury, which is kind of your proxy, it's sitting at a very low 1.48%. Utilities haven't really moved that much. I actually... Would have expected utilities to have more downside action with all this happening since uh, they tend to trade with uh, inflationary expectations and so the question i have for you is why the disconnect why are we getting this information coming in that's showing that inflation is indeed starting to come in and yet asset prices aren't really moving much with it well i think that one of the things we've got to remember is we really have and and i always kind of laugh at using the word unprecedented because uh, we've had so many unprecedented things that have gone over, gone on over the last decade, 15 years, uh, even going back to the dot-com bubble. Uh, even uh, you can talk about things that, you know, black swan events that uh, are coming at us in, in commonality that you can no longer call them black swan events. And so when you've got kind of this disruption uh, to our economy, the way that we've had go on, uh, with the shutdown of you know, a voluntary, well, semi-voluntary shutdown of our economy uh, that went on uh, back in February, March, April of uh, this past year, it's really hard to get everything kind of recalibrated and back up and running in a similar fashion. So, uh, for example, I mean, we've got GDP growth that's at 6.4%. That's a fantastic number. It's stronger than we've seen in a long time, but it pales in comparison to what we were doing in third quarter of last year, which raged because we had had the biggest one quarter drop ever in our economy. And so inflation adjusted, it was over a 10% drop. We hadn't seen those kind of figures uh, since the Great Depression. Uh, and you hadn't seen it in a single quarter. I mean, those were annual numbers, not quarterly numbers. And so we have seen just a kind of a, a shock to the system at a level that it's really hard uh, to kind of get it back to kind of more of a normal. So if you kind of think of like in a, a heartbeat, uh, an irregular heartbeat after maybe a heart attack, it's got to take some time to kind of recalibrate where it's going to be regularly beating and, and so on. Yeah, so um, I mean, that certainly makes sense. Uh, can you walk us through some of the, the numbers that have come out? And I know uh, it can be a little bit confusing. So for example, inflation numbers come out and we just uh, received some updated statistics and so there's numbers that are talking about how inflation's in the three, then other numbers talking about that's in more the 5% realm. What what are do those inflationary numbers mean and why some of the discrepancy between what's being reported? Well, really what we're talking about is, is uh, what is referred to as consumer price index. Uh, what is the cost of your life? And there are regional uh, consumer price numbers and then there's national. Uh, if you're really trying to dig, dig deep into what you're dealing with yourself, uh, you know, it's best to look at your specific region. I know that there's one, for example, uh, just for the Bay Area. Uh, but if we're talking about like a, a overall number, you've got core, 
And then back in the early 80s, uh, the U.S. government decided that it would be a great thing to go ahead and segregate out uh, energy and uh, food prices from uh, our inflation. So that is uh, from our core inflation rate. So when you're talking about hearing different numbers, the core rate right now, and is a level of 3.8% uh, up from three, so a pretty significant pop, the, uh, the overall CPI is at five, um, and that's up from 4.4% uh, last month. So again, big numbers. Uh, the core CPI, we're at levels that we haven't seen in almost three decades. So concerning, yeah, possibly, uh, but again, with how much, uh, they're talking about transitory inflation. So how much of this is turning the engine back on in our economy and having it, you know, again, it's jump-starting the heart. So we're going to get a big spike up and it's going to come back down. I mean, GDP numbers are not going to remain uh, at 6.4% or even in the five plus percent range that we were the month before or the quarter before, I should say. So we definitely need to be looking at things in a context that uh, we understand that we're not going to see uh, levels that are going to be at this. So at least that's the expectation and why the Fed has been uh, slow to move uh, rates from their 0% levels. Yeah, I've always find it, uh, found it funny that they remove energy and food prices from the core inflationary numbers because it's not like any households have any spending in that area. No, exactly. Yeah, I've got, got three moms at home, but uh, you know, uh, that are teenagers. Uh, I think I I've got a small idea about what food prices uh, are running these days. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that they did it. It was definitely done in uh, direct reference to. If you remember seeing all the numbers, uh, if you didn't live it uh, in the late seventies, early eighties, inflation was out of control. We had a lovely new terminology called stagflation. Uh, so a stagnating economy, but still a huge amount of inflation. And so because of that, uh, the government was trying to, in a way, you know, not to pull the wool over people's eyes, but they were like, oh, look, we're under control here. And the reality of it was we really weren't. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, partly because of the volatility in those prices, but I definitely think that that true number is more reflective of what most people have probably felt and experienced, that 5% number, since it does include it. And the other thing I like to note too is that that's not necessarily even true though for people where this can be the most impactful, which is retirees, because retirees tend to have more money spent on things like healthcare, which also unfortunately has been on the higher end of the spectrum. So yeah. it's definitely uh, a force to be reckoned with with uh, some of these higher inflationary numbers. So one thing that I always see people get alarmed about is uh, when the government starts to step in um, and intervene. So the government stepping in and trying to keep things more status quo, if you will, or at least to push the can down the road on doing that. Can you talk a little bit about gov uh, government intervention? Is this something new where the government's stepping in much, much more heavily handed or something's been always going on? Just how can we make sense of uh, these things that the government's doing? Well, I would say that the, the, the biggest difference, so first of all, this has been something that's been going on for decades and decades. I mean, we had the SNL crisis uh, back in the late 80s. You had, you know, uh, you've had all sorts of things that have gone on from a historical level. I mean, we, obviously the Great Recession, we were dealing with another banking crisis um, where from 2008 until 2014, we had government intervention, uh, government coming in and buying bonds and trying to uh, keep interest rates low in order to be able to allow people to borrow in, in, a, in a way that they wouldn't have been able to 
had the government not stepped in and done things. You got to remember that, I mean, even these stimulus packages, as, as much as they were needed, that's government intervention. Uh, you've got, um, you know, the uh, the fact that the extension of unemployment number or unemployment uh, checks, that's a government intervention. So in some cases, they're absolute necessities. I mean, if you can imagine what would have gone on with COVID if everybody was sheltering in place, you, you had no ability whatsoever to work. So you had no income coming in whatsoever. Uh, we know that you know, way more than 75% of, of the US population has almost no savings at all. So if you're looking at it in that kind of context, oh my God, you've got uh, soup kitchens and things like that would be, uh, you know, it would be it. You'd be having three quarters of the people in the country being evicted from their homes. Uh, you would have run on banks. It would just be an absolute, absolute ugly situation on a level that we have never seen. It would have been worse than what you saw during the Great Depression. So having the government step in, and I will say, you know, with COVID, that was a pretty quick step in. You know, they they basically really, uh, you know, were able to move, move quickly, uh, do so in a bipartisan way, uh, and do it in a way that uh, they threw a lot of money at it. Did they get a perfect? No. Uh, no one's going to get a perfect, and they're, they're certainly not going to get a perfect uh, when they're acting as quickly as they are. Uh, but that being said, I mean, we would not be having this discussion right now in the same manner uh, had it not been for government intervention. So uh, is this new? Not at all. Uh, right now, I mean, we do have the government stepping in, and uh, they are uh, buying bonds in order to keep uh, yields uh, down. So again, if you think about the seesaw, uh, prices going up means yields going down. So when you've got buying pressure, uh, that means that uh, you're going to see uh, prices go up. So more buyers and sellers, prices are going to go up and yields are going to go down. Yields down means that borrowing rates uh, are easier. So it means that the average person that wants to go buy a home, uh, corporations that need to borrow money in order to grow, maybe borrow money in order to spend it on new equipment or something along those lines, it's all cheaper. So having low interest rates is what primes a uh, engine, so to speak, and, and gets it really running. Uh, and that's what the government's been trying to do. So what they're trying not to do is to panic about having a, uh, like they said, transitory inflation. If that's the case, it means that it will come back down to normal numbers as things stabilize. And all they've done is make sure that they haven't overreacted, started raising rates, which would have done the exact opposite of keeping them low, which is to start slowing the economy. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that uh, recently was announced, and I'm gonna, when with this announcement, I do recognize it was the Fed that said this, and technically they're not part of the government, although a lot of times when we talk about the government, we include them since they work in tandem with one another. But the Fed came out and said that it's looking like rates may rise at the end of 2023. So still almost uh, a year and a half out. And that certainly uh, created a little bit of a frenzy. I guess the first thing is, were you surprised by that announcement? And then second, what is the motivation or the reason for announcing a potential rate increase at the end of 2023? Well, I... I think that the the Fed is trying to be as transparent as as they can possibly be, so that there aren't any hiccups, uh, scares, runs the markets. Um, you know, with having uh, some increase in, in inflation again, I fear that the Fed would have to raise rates to combat it. Uh, so again, the, the, 
inflation rates are kind of like Goldilocks. You don't want them too hot. You don't want them too cold. You want them right in between. Um, and right now, that kind of two and a half, three percent mark is really that Goldilocks level. Uh, we're a little high right now. And so again, the the, the thought behind it uh, with uh, Jerome Powell coming out and basically trying to give some guidance uh, to what they're they're planning on doing. I mean, it, back in my sort of my career with Alan Greenspan, there was no transparency. I mean, and literally the media would film Alan Greenspan going in for Fed meetings and they would comment on how thick was his briefcase? Did he have a newspaper in hand? You know, which hand was it in? You know, this that, that was their, their tea leaves to figuring out if this was gonna be a, a rate hike or are they gonna cut it and so on. Well, at zero, we really only have to concentrate on one direction. Well, if you're sitting at a Fed funds rate in the four or 5% range, then there's there's different directions you can go. And so all that's going on right now is that the, the Fed is trying to be transparent. Uh, looking out a year and a half, two years, I've never really heard the Fed being that transparent. They're basically saying, hey, look, unless something radically changes, we're not going to do anything. We still have unemployment that's that's you know getting better, but we still have a, a quite a high unemployment rate compared to where we were pre-pandemic. Our economy is not back to where it was pre-pandemic. You've got a, a little bit of inflation. That's not enough uh, to really, shouldn't be enough to scare away anybody. So um, that's really, I think, why they're trying to to kind of give the guidelines for as long as they possibly can. Yeah, um, and uh, to go back to your Alan Greenspan uh, comments, I remember that they would even report on things like the color of the tie. Like if you had a red tie, a power tie, that meant that he was gonna uh, potentially increase rates. So I remember how uh, much people are trying to glean to gain any kind of insider edge because uh, we didn't have a Fed that operated anywhere near as transparent as we do today. Yeah, uh, and can you imagine like Alan Greenspan wagging his, uh... <laughs> his uh, tie around or or whatever just to to tempt uh, the media i mean it was absolutely as silly as i could possibly do yeah no absolutely and, and jeff um i know whenever people talk about inflation there tends to be this knee-jerk reaction of inflation is bad and uh we do a lot to try to keep inflation at bay because certainly left unchecked it can turn into something uh that can be a big drain on people's quality of life However, inflation is not all bad. And so there are certain things that uh, you and I were talking about before this conversation where inflation can actually help in some regards. Um, so the one that comes to mind is the national debt. Um, also, commodity prices, if they're already high, can sometimes be brought back in line with higher rates of inflation. Can you explain how does that work? Why is it that inflation, when done in a healthy level, can help with certain types of uh, assets or debt loads um, that people or governments have for this matter? Well, with, with the government debt, it's pretty straightforward. We have a fixed number. Uh, and obviously part of what um, uh, inflation is, is evaluation of, of dollars. So if you're looking at how much your dollar can purchase and let's say over the course of time, uh, dollars worth only 50 cents, then if you're sitting on $30 trillion of debt, like our government is right now, it feels more like 15. So it's a little bit easier for you to be able to deal with having that high of a debt level. The issue again, though, uh, for most investors is that dollars worth 50 cents. So you really, we refer to inflation as kind of the silent killer. So if you're really debt ridden, yeah, it's, it's helping you some. 
anything else, you really need to be looking at how you grow your money to offset uh, inflation, either through commodities. Um, again, commodities uh, half the time have not reacted to inflation the way that you would expect it to. So it's far from a perfect way of being able to uh, assess and, and being able to drive that kind of business. But um, you really want to be looking at it in a very different fashion. So you just want to be smart about it um, and, and stay in front of it. Uh, the one thing that we were kind of playing around with also was how quickly inflation erodes uh, the value of your money. So if you're talking about having uh, a 2% uh, increase in what's going on within um, inflation rates, I mean, it, it takes a long time for that to erode uh, the overall value of your uh, your buying power. I mean, you're you're really looking out uh, a total of 34 years ish before you get down to 50 cents. Uh, if you're doing it on a 2% per year level, if you go five, you're down to that level in 13 and a half years. So it's a pretty sizable uh, differential when you're talking about it. So while we've got inflation, hopefully very temporarily at a 4% level, a 4% level, uh, you, you get down to 50 cents on the dollar in 16 and a half years, uh, almost 17. So if we're looking at it in that kind of fashion, uh, you've got to double your money. Now, there's a really simple way uh, to understand doubling of your money, which is called the rule of 72. So whatever the return you get, uh, if you get a 10% return, for example, your money should double every 7.2 years. If you get a 7.2% return, your money should double in 10 years. So uh, we want to concentrate on those things, especially if we are going to get ourselves into an inflationary environment. Uh, it really is important for, for the average investor to start pushing away from lower returning things like treasuries and other fixed income products, uh, which are not going to get you a high enough return uh, to be able to offset this. So you and I were also talking a little earlier, Jeremy, about where rates are right now. And we've, we've seen uh, the U.S. Treasury have its worst quarter in you know, 20 plus years. Um, we have started to see uh, rates come back down. So rates dropping, prices going up. So this quarter in particular, rates are not too bad, uh, but we still wanna be concentrating and looking at uh, where does that take you? you know, are you gonna be in a position uh, to retire the way that you wanna retire uh, or are you uh, putting yourself behind the eight ball by not getting enough of a return? I mean, right now, the 10-year treasury is giving you 1.48% return. We just talked about inflation at five. So you're giving up 3.5% buying power per year right now uh, to inflation based upon you know buying into uh, an intermediate-term fixed income product, which just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and, and Jeff, I think uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't use this opportunity to be a little bit of a broken record and to reiterate what you're saying uh, to our audience, which is that one of the most important things to do at this time is to make sure that they properly inflationary hedge themselves. And uh, that is something that we've been preaching for for years now, I mean, as long as I can remember. Um, and so to our audience, um, the one thing I would definitely encourage is take us up on doing a cursory review of your portfolio. Let us see where your strengths lie, where there's holes, and let us um, do some work to see how we can improve things because uh, we're starting to see these things that we've been talking about for, say it's almost been a decade now, um, they're, they're coming to fruition just like, like was predicted. And so now's the time to take steps because 
as you mentioned, inflation is that silent killer where doing something about it now, which is not too hard, but it does create uh, a shift in the way that you want to think about everything. Obviously, it's the time to do it because 10 years, 15 years from now, I mean, the damage has already been done. Um, and it, it can have a significant erosion um, that, quite frankly, uh, will be very difficult, if not impossible, to fix down the road. I was about ready to say the exact same thing. The problem is that once you notice it, it will be hard to repair. Uh, yeah, and again, one of these things where uh, time is our friend as long as we uh, allow uh, ourselves to harness the power of it. Uh, if we are talking about the differences behind this, I mean, the the other big, big, big thing, and we've talked about this for a long time also, is get your cash working for you. I still run into people with sizable amounts of money uh, in cash. And I just don't get it. I mean, unless you are making a major purchase or have a major tax issue or something else where you've got a finite time period in which you need this, I'm talking about anything under about 18 months. If you've got a longer time period than that, get your money working for you. Oh, by, oh, by the way, retiring in 18 months doesn't count. You're not going to spend all your money as the day that you retire. You're going to need this money working for you for the rest of your life. So you want this money out there. You want it working. You want it working hard for you because if you don't, you're going to ha have a, an erosion of your overall net worth due to inflation. Just that simple. Yeah. So on, on that note, Jeff, I think we'll leave it. Um, great lasting advice to everyone. And uh, as always, uh, we here at Polaris are ready to help you in that regard. Um, it's something that we've been watching for and knowing was coming for a long time. And, and here it is. And so we have the data now to show that exactly what was expected is indeed playing out. So as always, Jeff, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate the uh, conversation with you today. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Jeremy. So, and to uh, all of us that uh, gave us your ears for this uh, last little bit, uh, thank you. And um, as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.